Welcome to this week's edition Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken here, a good friend, co-host of this podcast. Mr. Travis Crins joining me as always. Crins, how are we doing? Terrific. Good, good. Uh, we got a, I think we got a pretty good show lined up here for you. Uh, of course, you and I will be doing our normal spiel. Marcus Traxler will stop by to preview the NHL playoffs, which we'll talk about here momentarily. And uh, maybe have Jeff Lloyd the second joining us, Locked On Browns podcast, to preview some offensive players in this year's uh, draft. So the, I think we got a good one lined up here. The next three weeks here with the NFL draft coming up, big stuff, Grins, big stuff. The biggest of all the things. Apart from the March Madness uh, show that we do every year, which is always great, uh, except this year it was not so great with our picks. But speaking of that, um, UMBC, of course, knocked off Virginia, and they were the first 16 seed ever to take down one. Well, they were at it again this last weekend, except it was UMBC men's lacrosse taking down number one seeded Albany. I think the final score was 11-7, to but... Uh, uh, just phenomenal stuff. At UMBC, quite the year for them sports-wise, wouldn't you say? Good for them, yes. So th- this is Good a for them. Th- uh, this is excellent. Uh, they have a great Twitter. Whoever runs their UMBC athletics uh, Twitter handle uh, does an excellent job. I would say this rivals uh, Captain um, Andrew Luck and that Twitter oh. account. So. Very good. If you're looking for a little, uh, it's a little snarky, a little smartass, everything in there, definitely, I'd recommend doing that. I uh, want to begin on a bit of a somber note. Uh, just get it out of the way. Well, not get it out of the way. That's the wrong choice of wording. But uh, mention the horrible tragedy up in hum, uh, in Saskatchewan where the 15 people associated with the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League's Humboldt Broncos. Uh, 15 people died in a crash last Friday. A bus and a semi, uh, by the sounds of it. I don't know for sure what... I don't think we know for sure what happened, but the preliminary hearings is that, you know, uh, you know the, the, the maybe the semi ran a stop sign. So, horrible situation involved. It's rocked the community up there. And, you know, what football is to Texas and basketball is to Indiana and hockey is to Minnesota hockey is to Canada I mean it's it's hockey to Canada it's su- such a tight knit community across the the board there you know with all with what hockey does it ties it unites communities and everything like that and this is a just a, a, a tremendous tragedy a horrible situation um and uh, you, you just there's really nothing you can say to you know make this situation any better or easier to deal with uh, but it's uh, certainly tragic nonetheless well, was there one player that they misidentified who was now alive that people thought was dead right. no is that I, I, I have not heard that but that would I mean I, that's uh, I, I, I don't I mean when you're getting all this information I, I don't know I, I don't know uh Maybe the you know the rural uh, doctors' offices out there and hospitals. Maybe that's not uh, that's Very where weird. some misinformation could come from. I, I guess I don't know for sure. That's a. I mean, how how would you feel about that family? You know, you go through the grieving process and then find out that 
no, I mean, your son is indeed alive. That's that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I really don't know how that's possible. But I'm, I'm sure they're in the hospital right now, and whoever has survived is in the hospital. So I don't know how how sure that's possible. Yeah, it's a, again, just a tragic situation all the way around. Thoughts and prayers with them. I mean, that can only go so far. There's a GoFundMe page if you, if you feel inclined to do so. I think they've raised, they raised like $4 million for the families and their victims in the first 45, 48 hours. So that's, that's incredible stuff right there. Um, they will remain strong. They'll, they'll unite and, uh, it certainly will be, Something that bears watching, but this is a, a huge tragedy across the in, in the country of Canada, and you see the way that the whole community, the whole country, has come together. And you know, uh, Justin Trudeau, the Canadian Prime Minister, and you know, NHL teams, and everyone like that throwing uh, throwing support. I was actually relatively impressed by ESPN's coverage of this uh, event, and granted, it is you know. Their hockey coverage is lacking, to say the least, and this is slightly different than just normal hockey. But I was, I was, I've been pleasantly surprised with what um, what we've seen from ESPN in terms of their coverage, and CBC is doing a, a great job, NHL Network and stuff. So uh, coverage, I'm sure, will absolutely continue. There was a vigil held Sunday night, but uh, tragedy. In tragic situation no matter what way you slice it so um, definitely a, a bad stuff there uh, let's let's just keep with the hockey though um, you know we talked a lot of NHL playoffs and like pre- you know, predictions projections kind of stuff of that nature last week well now we do have the matchups uh, in the east let me get that pulled up here. I believe we had the Lightning against the New Jersey Devils. The Lightning won the Atlantic Division. Then you have the Boston uh, Bruins against the Toronto Maple Leafs. In that uh, in that series, what what uh, in in those two series, who do you like? Do you think? Or uh, well, we we mentioned it last week. You like the Penguins and the Knights. Anything now that the playoffs are set that makes you change your mind on any of that, or have any thoughts at all on either on any of the series? No. Like Tampa Bay to win, uh, like Boston to win. Uh, of course, like Columbus to beat Washington. Because Washington and, uh, always shits the bed. They always do shit the bed. And uh, like Pittsburgh doing the whole thing as they do every year. All right, very good. Uh, Colorado and Nashville. If, if we got Nashville to win again, that would be, or make it to the Stanley Cup final, that would be great. Uh, I don't foresee the Wild doing anything, but... Uh, yeah, how much of the NHL playoffs will you watch? Not much. Okay. There's a lot of baseball stack, and there's a god awful amount of baseball on right now. There is. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm switching, and uh, you know, if, if the if I get the golf channel, I'm sure I'll be uh, tuned into those two game fours uh, because that's what we go to when we want to watch hockey is the goddamn golf channel. <laughs> what a what a what a nonsensical move that is. That doesn't make any sense. And unnecessary. What? What's that? There's two games on the Golf Channel. Uh, game, four, game four of this Devils uh, Tampa Bay uh, Tampa Bay series next week. There's also another game four uh, on the same night. There's I don't know why they're putting games on the Golf Channel. They've got NBC. NBCSN. CNBC. USA. 
you've got uh, three cable networks and NBC. Uh, there's there's no need to, and there's what, no more than four games a night? Uh, there's five games, actually, on Thursday night. You're, and there's, uh, no reason, there's no reason to put, a, put multiple games on the golf channel. Right. I mean, nothing says golf like hockey, like NHL, or, or nothing says hockey like the golf channel. I mean, you I mean, have... It's, it's bad enough you put it on, like, CNBC and all this stuff. And, in USA. You know, on a news station and, you know, places that don't air anything throughout the year. But the golf channel, I mean, they're, they're still, I, don't, I still haven't seen an explanation, and uh, the schedules are not jam-packed enough, so we're like, well, we need another station to put a couple games that's not the case they could very easily put it on usa put it on somewhere else but they're not well i mean you need uh, you know reruns of law and order or uh uh, you know uh, suits and uh monk is it monk still a tv show or something like that i mean that yeah i don't get that they've never had to do that in previous years but yeah you throw it on cnbc you throw it on uh, NBCSN, you throw it on USA Today, you put it on the NHL network, everything's good. I mean, is it, did the NHL network all of a sudden, like, not, you know, to drop, uh, you know, some scheduling snafu, and now they can't, I, I don't know, that, uh, that's perplexing to say the least. Um, but... Don't you just want to boost, uh, boost ratings in the Gulf Channel for a night? I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe Mike, that means Mike Tirico will do a game. Shit. <laughs> I mean, you never know. You never know. Um, I threw out my uh, hypothetical uh, in the 2000, you know, if we did the Adam Silver, Nathan Stack, and playoff proposal where you just take seeds one or top eight teams in each conference, reseed them all, so it's one through 16. And uh, there's some interesting matchups here, but really there wouldn't be a lot, as I mentioned in there, I didn't actually do the full schedule, but... There really wouldn't be a lot of travel issues in this. Uh, I think the only one was Boston and L.A. and uh, and even Minnesota Anaheim. So I just said, you know, let's make it. Uh, you know, like Winnipeg and New Jersey are not close. Like the, Tampa and Columbus are not close. I mean, these are there's some distance here. There is, there is, but I mean, Washington and San Jose not. I mean, we've got you know more so than there's, there's two series that are. Boston, Philly, yep. uh, Toronto, Pittsburgh. Every every other series, we got some length here. Yeah, Las Vegas and L.A. not terrible. Toronto, Pittsburgh. That's you know not not too bad here. But you're I mean, I, I just thought it'd be interesting to look at it this way. Uh, if, if that were if that were the case, I don't know if I would take the the top seed. In all of them, I think it would take Nashville. I take Winnipeg. I take Tampa Bay. I take Boston. I might take the twelve over the five. Might take the Kings over the Knights. Uh, we would take the the Penguins over the Maple Leafs for sure. Maybe take the the Ducks over the Wild. I don't know. It, it'd just be interesting. I'm going to do the same thing for the NBA. But uh, when I put it together, there wasn't quite as much travel as I thought there could be in terms of like cross country flights. Yeah, there's a lot. I think there's 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 a bit of travel here. There is, um, but but I mean Nashville and Colorado, they know that. I mean they've had to do well, that, that in the regular season. I mean, like I say, Minnesota goes out to Anaheim at least once a year, if not twice. But interesting to say the least. So uh, just a little fun with yeah. that. But uh, let's talk some baseball. Let's go from the ice to the diamond. 
uh, you know, we had a, the Phillies get, you know, they boo, the fans booed, uh, Gabe Kapler, the manager to start the week. And then they end the week with a 20 to one win. I guess that was on Saturday against the Phillies or against the Marlins, excuse me. And then they lost to the Marlins six to three the next day. Uh, Shohei Otani is the story though of the baseball season thus far. Three home runs. He had a perfect game on Sunday through, you know, he gave up one hit through seven innings. So he was fantastic. Uh, he's without a doubt the story of the baseball season, wouldn't you say? It's very good. Uh, spring training was bad, but spring training doesn't matter at all. So uh, first time out, he was uh, gave up a three-run home run against Oakland, and that was about it. Then yeah, he was great pitching. Uh, he's you know, three home runs in three games he's played. So, yeah, definitely uh, he's uh, the odds makers. Ten games in the season is made in the MVP. So, uh, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see if you have a uh, very good hitter, very good pitcher, uh, something we haven't seen in 100 years. So it's, it's very, uh, very intriguing when it comes to things like MVP races and, uh, you know, a player that people want to see, want to tune in to see because I would imagine, you know, when he's pitching, uh, and when he's hitting, uh, people would want to see that. I mean, he's the first player since Babe Ruth to hit three home runs in between starts. I would say that you know, spring training. While we say, oh, it doesn't really matter a whole lot. Don't you think it mattered a little bit more for Otani just because he's going from the Japanese leagues to Major League Baseball, and because there's so much hype built around him, and he struggled, you know, relatively speaking, in spring training, I think there was some reason to have the doubts that, you know, maybe this guy isn't all he's cracked up to be based on his spring training performance, and he certainly has shattered that at least through uh, one week and change of the baseball season. Yeah, for him to, you know, face American hitters for one of the first times, uh, he's not as bad as that, he's probably not as good as he was this week, um, there was a, uh, a, a Twitter video where a couple of guys uh, talking about how Tony was going to be a failure before the season. So that was just fun to watch them. Well, oh, this ain't going to work out. Again, I'm glad this is working out so far because people don't think this can work being a hitter and a pitcher at a high level. There's no reason why it can't work out. I mean, they, it's very difficult to be a major league player. Um, but but it is it is possible to pitch very well and to also be a very good hitter and this this guy has, has proven that so far so I hope he, he does because there are guys uh, in the minors uh, uh, high draft picks uh, draft picks last year mm-hmm. could potentially do what he did uh, Hunter Green uh, went to the Padres I think he made his debut tonight and um, like he can throw 100 miles an hour as an 18 year old. And um, they're probably going to use him as a pitcher, but he's also a shortstop. But they're not going to, you know, they're probably just going to use him one way. And there's Brandon McKay, was a first baseman pitcher for Louisville, who went to Tampa mm-hmm. early in the draft summer. And he's another guy that could potentially do both, but it doesn't sound like he is. So I think uh, Otani continues to do well. There's so much more value. I mean, you can have a guy pitch well and hit well. It goes without saying how much better that makes you. Right. Just take a, a, a comparable pitcher, you know, uh, whoever you want to compare him to, within reason, pitching-wise, and say, oh, yeah, this guy is also uh, a very good hitter. I mean, so as far as MVP, I mean, that's definitely viable. 
And I mean, if people just see it, it's so much better to have a, a great pitcher and a great hitter. And if you can do both, why the hell wouldn't you? Well, your value though comes far more in the American League with with that than I mean, because if if Otani was in the National League, he wouldn't be able to DH. I mean, he would have well, he, to. He, he can play the outfield. He can play the outfield. Right, um, but I don't envision you know the Angels putting him in the outfield. No, uh, no, much at all. But he but he has in Japan. He has played the outfield as well. So. He can do that. Right, he can. But wouldn't that put more strain on the body? I guess that that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, between, you know, the the you know, pitching starts and then, you know, if you if all he's going to do is DH, I mean, that's perfect. Yes, you could throw him in the outfield if you need him in a pinch every once in a while, but to be able to DH, you know, and not and not have to worry about really any like the physical strain of being in the outfield or making a diving catch, you know, possibly bruising ribs or anything like that. I think that's where you, if you have guys who are, can be weapons like this, you know, a Hunter Green and and a, you know a McCabe. This Brandon, this, like Brandon McKay, you know, first base. If you're going to play a position and pitch, I mean, first base is as good as it's going to get. Right. Nope. A- absolutely. But I mean, he he ultimately could would hold a little more value, I would say, than Green because he's in the American League, where of course you can have the DH. So yeah. I mean, it's just something. That I think you have to consider with, you know, but I, I do think Otani's going to make teams change the way they view these, you know, these multi talented players who can play, you know, who can pitch and hit. They're going to try and figure out some creative ways to make sure they get their at bats. And, uh, and, hope, and hopefully that's the case. You don't, you, don't, you don't have to be a starter, you can be a bullpen guy. Right. So if you want to play, if you want to play the field more, you don't have to throw 150 innings and start every day, every shift day. You can come in as a bullpen guy, and that gives you a lot of flexibility uh, with your roster. Let's say you got a guy playing first base or the outfield. You bring him in to uh, pitch sixth, seventh, eighth inning. He pitches an inning or two, and you can keep him in the game and throw him back out in the outfield or first base. So it gives you basically opens up another roster spot. Yeah, the hell, have him be a closer. And I mean, right. I mean, be a closer and then hit everything. I think that I think that'd be very good. So definitely, Otani, the story of baseball here. How about the Red Sox? They've uh, won well, eight in a row, but granted, uh, I mean, they've played six of nine against the Rays, so that's that that waters down their record just a wee bit. Here, the I mean, a lot of come from behind wins. A lot of come from behind wins. Yep. Uh, the. I mean, does that speak more to how good Boston is or how bad Tampa Bay is this year? Uh, Boston's very good and Tampa Bay is very bad. So it's yeah, kind of split played, then. Yeah, they played ten times in the first month, which is a lot. So, I mean, and Boston's uh, fallen behind a lot. David Price, I like him. I think he's uh, he's turned it around after uh, a year or two of having injuries and pitching not so well for Boston. So. You have him in sale. That's a good one too. Yep. And uh, Boston appears to have a little bit more power than last year when I think they had the fewest home runs in the league. So I mean, yeah, Yankees not so hot. Boston pretty good. So eh, you know, Boston's not going to win 110 games, but you know, they'll be they'll be right there in the mix. And people thought so. Well, and speaking of the Yankees, Giancarlo Stanton not the start to the season that. He was envisioning. Uh, I believe it's Poppy on highly questionable that calls him the whiffer, 
And uh, I, I believe that is an apt name for him so far this year. He has a t- he has a lot of strikeouts. Uh, what in his in his new uh, his Yankee Stadium debut? He had he was zero for five with five strikeouts. I mean, it's just it has not been what he or the team I think would have had to envision at all uh, coming into this year. He was zero for seven with five strikeouts uh, the other day. Yeah. So he had uh, he set records for strikeouts and you know debuts in certain amount of games. It's been uh, you know what first game he hits a first uh, first pitch almost hits a home run. He had what a couple home runs the first game or so. And yeah, he's been pretty terrible. So I mean, that's he's a guy that strikes out a lot. Uh, Judge is a guy that strikes out a lot. So and Stanton has yet to put together back to back great years. He's had a, he's had you know pretty good, very good years, and then amazing years. Then he follows that back up with uh, with another good year, but not you know by no means a superstar year. So that's something to keep track of. And I think last year was the first time he ever hit over forty. So that's why I'm more, well, you know, low 40s for home runs, not, you know, 50 or 60. He's only done it once. He's only hit over 40 once. So I'm more uh, conservative with, with Stanton and Judge. Uh, the Astros 8-2. and two, They lead the Angels by a game in there. The Twins lead the division. Uh, they only had to play four games last week. A long schedule. I mean, the weather. Weather has played such a, I mean, granted, winter is incredibly long. All over the country this year compared to the previous years that we've seen. But, I mean, the number of games that are getting canceled, you know, due to snow. I mean, the, the Cubs had their home opener on Monday postponed due to snow, but yet the White Sox played. So I don't. I, I don't yeah, that was bad. I don't, that was bad. I don't quite get that, but, uh, oh well. But, uh, but weather, like I say. It's just, it's been, I mean, you had 27 degrees first pitch uh, for the Rockies home opener against the Braves. Uh, the, the Twins and Mariners played at 27 degrees on Saturday. It's just, uh, it's been crazy the, what the weather has done so far through the first week and change of the baseball season. I think it was the earliest start ever, but now we're past, I mean, we're, we're April 10th, April 11th. So it's past, you know, any, oh, it's the early start. Well, no, they would have started Right. It would have been a weekend anyway at a normal start. So again, it's just a long winter. You're getting more snow and, uh, we got snow over the weekend and, uh, 60 degrees coming up this week or this uh, week, but then 35 degrees on Saturday with wet weather. So yeah, it's not just uh, in the north. It's northeast everywhere. Uh, I like what, um, uh, like a Giants Dodgers game that got rained out last yeah. week. So it, it's everywhere. I think they could probably do a better job with scheduling, you know, dome and uh, warm, warm climates to uh, to play these games at. But I mean, you're not going to have a team on the road for the first two weeks of the season. Well, I mean, the Cubs are on the road for the first nine. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, do that as much as possible. But the Twins, they're at home for two weeks now, and uh, hopefully things things turn around by the middle of this week. Yeah, I mean. Uh, what did I see in, in Peter King's Monday Morning Quarterback? He had something about the Detroit Tigers and how their first like thirty five, thirty seven games are all against teams in the northern climate. You know, like you got the Pittsburghs and Chicago. I mean, it, it whether it's home or not, they just they're playing in a lot of cold weather. I've I've always been of the of the or I've been of the mindset here the last couple of years. Why don't you throw you know give you know throw. You know, the, the teams in the NL West, apart from Colorado, you all get home games to start the first week and a half of the season. 
it'll so. it'll all make it'll all even itself out. The AL West, you all get uh, uh, home games to start the first week and a half, two weeks of the season. Toronto, you're in a dome. You can have the, yeah, yeah. Milwaukee, you're in a uh, you're in a dome stadium. You can do it. Atlanta, uh, then uh, Atlanta, Florida. Tampa Bay. It's just, it's easy. It's an easy solution. It's something easy you could do. But, um, I, but I get the competitive disadvantage that it could cause, but is it any more of a competitive disadvantage or a competitive advantage to be playing in below freezing weather or snow flurries and whatnot? I guess, I don't know. I don't think so, but, uh, anywho, uh, the Mets, you were on the Mets in our season preview and so far that's looking very good they swept the nationals in washington dc over the weekend that's a huge win i think a huge series win it brings into uh account more questions about the nationals i'd say but the mets look very good the diamondbacks had an impressive series against the dodgers they look good uh both of those teams you were high on again it's only a week and change in the season but uh so far so good on you crins yeah you jumped on them early you go there um uh yeah arizona was my late addition my one change to the preseason picks and uh, yeah i think the mets uh, you know i really like the mets i think they can compete in that division because now, Washington, they never disappoint. I mean, they never disappoint at all. No, not they at all. Their uh, pitching's very good. Uh, Matt Harvey uh, can can be healthy and give them uh, give them five six innings. That's good. Stephen Matz, he was uh, great uh, the other day. He has trouble going more than five innings, but uh, he struck out eight nine guys. So good showing for the Mets uh, beating Washington. And uh, yeah, I really like the Mets. Braves, uh, Braves. I like the Braves to maybe be around that five hundred mark. Yep. And yeah, Dodgers. Dodgers are hurting, hurting right now in the Arizona. They're they're good. So still, again, you're looking at their uh, surprise teams. I guess I think Atlanta, has Pittsburgh, some staying power. Pit, uh, yeah, not some. Not some oh, not staying power, but it, I mean, who saw seven and two coming for the Pirates well, the first week? Well, they did. The schedule is not. That's true. They had they had the what the the Tigers, Twins, and the Reds. Like if I told you Pirates are seven and two, you're like, yeah, man, I suppose you know they're playing, they're playing the Reds and the Tigers. So it's like, yeah, that's that's that insane. I mean, their their offense is scoring a lot of runs. They got uh, Gregory Polanco in the outfield. He's been very good. Certainly, Marte uh, is healthy. He's been very good. So they've not missed McCutcheon at all. Uh, McCutcheon he had a, a six hit game the other night. Uh, walk off three run home run in the thirteenth, fourteenth inning. Mm-hmm. That well, was impressive for him. But yeah, like Arizona, I mean, they were good last year. I think they're going to be good again. Uh, Pittsburgh, you know, they're not. I don't think they're going to threaten for uh, playoffs. Jamison Tyone uh, threw a one hitter the other day, and he had I think what testicular cancer last year and made a comeback. So good for him. Um, yeah, yeah, but I think the Mets. Mets are going to be there. Atlanta would be my one surprise team uh, for the year. Okay, very good. I mean, and uh, you mentioned McCutcheon, the six hits. He had never had that before, uh, which 
considering how good of a player he is, that's a little surprising, I guess. And I, yeah, yeah, you're talking about the Pirates, a seven and two record, and you say, well, look at their schedule. I mean, that's the same thing with Boston, eight and one. But look who they played. They played the the Rays six times. So are, they, are we can't just say, oh, Boston is head and shoulders better than anyone else. No, no, I'm not going to say that here, given uh, who they've played so far. But interesting. We'll have tons of baseball talk throughout the season. Um, let's go from the green dime or from the diamond and the luscious green outfield to the green jacket and uh, tradition unlike any other. The Masters on CBS. Uh, Patrick Reed is your Masters champion. Uh, I don't know how much he turned the needle, turned the dial for uh, for fans who were hoping. To see, you know, Tiger Woods compete. Uh, Tiger Woods disappointing. Phil Mickelson even more disappointing. Um, I mean, what happened though? I I haven't seen the ratings yet for the Masters. I have to assume they were better than last year. But um, and the in large reason that would be because Jordan Spieth had one of the all time best rounds you'll ever see at the Masters. He came charging at Patrick Reed. In fact, was tied with him at fourteen under. For a couple of holes, uh, ultimately bogeyed 18, uh, and he felt he was two shots back. Ricky Fowler made things interesting late, uh, really forced Patrick Reed to par the 18th hole. But just, I mean, so you had the, you had Ricky Fowler and, and Jordan Spieth, and I believe those guys are, you know, obviously Spieth is a bona fide star. I think a lot of people like Ricky Fowler, but. And Patrick Reed has some moxie about him. We saw him in the uh, in the Ryder Cup a couple of years ago when he played against Rory McIlroy, McElroy, his uh, his partner in the final round there. But McIlroy didn't do much. I mean, I, was, I mean, he's certainly a guy I think who can help move the needle, move the dial as well. But overall, it was it was exciting for a while, but. Patrick Reed is just kind of a he's great, don't get he's a very good player, don't get me wrong, but just kind of a blah name, I guess, overall to to an average fan. Yeah, like I didn't really know I knew of him, I didn't know about him. And his family situation's not good, apparently he doesn't talk to his family. It's Aaron Rodgers esque. Uh, something like that. Sounds like this is even more serious than that. He's married, and whatever reason, he's kind of been an asshole through his life, apparently. Uh, you know, poor decisions by him, getting kicked off the golf teams and changing schools and all of these things. So uh, he wins. It sounds like he's kind of a loner, doesn't really have any friends on tour. So uh, good for him, winning. Um, yeah, I didn't have much interest in this once the Tiger Woods was not competitive. Uh, but then Spieth went out and does what he does. What she's like nine, ten under through the first. Yeah, he's like seven under through thirteen and nine under through sixteen. You're like, what? It's really one of the one of the great rounds in the history of of golf. Yeah, is what it was. Right. I mean, he had a chance to get the course record with a sixty three. I think he shot. He ended up shooting a sixty four. But I mean, he bogeyed the final hole. Yeah. Yep. And he narrowly missed out on a birdie on 17 that would have, I think, you know, if he makes birdie on 17, and then I don't think he, his tee shot goes 
Kitty Wampus or Haywire there on 18. I think he takes a little bit more methodical approach. I think he felt like he had to unleash something there just to make something happen there on that final hole with him two strokes back. But, um, I mean, he saw There was the one, the one putt, I don't know, 30, 40 feet, whatever it was. The one putt was, uh, I don't know what hole it was. I think it was late. Yeah, 14, or maybe it was 16. Whatever it was, it was like a 40, all of 40 feet, if not more, and he he drained that sucker. Uh, Ratings are very good. Um, Ratings were up 40 to 55% for Thursday and Friday. Oh, I wonder why. I I just wonder why. Uh, well, when you got uh, Dick Shit that dislocated his ankle in the mix, I think that, uh, that's Kevin uh, Fino. Good for him. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, uh, Saturday was up twenty four percent. Sunday up fourteen uh, percent. So uh, again, and really, I don't even think Tiger Woods was on. He wasn't on TV all that much. Uh, but yeah, it, it did help that Spieth made a charge at the end right there. It was good. And McElroy kind of fell off, but he was in the mix. Yep. Uh, Patrick Reed, nobody cares about him, but Spieth, again, Spieth is the best in the world. I mean, yes. Rory's very good with Spieth. Spieth's best is better than anybody else's best, and that's kind of, it's kind of the opposite of his other masters, where he's had a lead late, and he's given it up, mm-hmm. and now he comes from, comes from behind, but he still loses. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, Tiger Woods is going to have to compete in one of these things this year for people to, uh, people to care, but obviously people care enough to, to tune in on uh, Friday and Thursday. It just—I mean, I know golf is a—that I know firsthand. Golf is a completely mental game. You can go out and have a great round, and then the next time you go out, you just suck. Nothing works for you, and it's—it's—it wears on you. It is—it's draining. But it's for a guy like Jordan Spieth to have a good first round and then subpar two, you know. A second and third round, and then just come out and just blitz the field with this sixty-four he shoots on Sunday. It just makes you wonder, like, where was this? You know, Friday and Saturday. You know, yeah, it's very odd. I mean, conditions change, but you know, maybe just a sense of urgency that you know I'm down six, seven, eight shots here, and I got to make something happen. So maybe he's more aggressive. Um, and the putter, the putter was working, and he's one of the best putters on tour. Sometimes it's just luck. I mean, you don't expect to make 40, 50-foot butts, and, uh, you know, sometimes when you do, again, it's uh, the ebbs and the flows of golf. You, there's really no sense to it. And uh, sometimes sometimes things work for him. And, uh, yeah, he was he was amazing. Shot and Kirk and I have gone back and forth, you know, regarding the status of golf, the state of golf. And yep. you know, he says, he says, oh, you know, the, you got all these young stars and these players, sure. and it, and he's right, you know, like Justin Thomas is a, is a very good player. I don't he's not a star though. Nobody cares about just <laughs> nobody's putting in to watch Justin Thomas win a golf. No, no I, I don't know if he can get quite to that level. I think he's got the chance to be like Jordan Spieth, but it's Jordan Spieth. Rory McIlroy here. Those guys are carrying the yeah. mantle for golf. And then Ricky Fowler, because you have the Ricky Fowler, I don't want to say cult, but I mean, there's there's a lot of people who like Ricky Fowler. Fowler just needs to be able to break through and win a major. Now, unfortunately, he shoots 14 under, and I heard today, I think, on uh, on Golik and Wingo, that that would have won or gotten to a playoff in all but seven Masters tournaments. 14 under. I mean, he's... He is there. He just unfortunately runs into a guy who's just a little bit hotter than he is. So, 
I think Ricky Fowler is certainly a, a, a star for golf, but if it's not, obviously, people care about Tiger. People watch Tiger. That's who they want to see. If And then Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy are the guys who, can, who are doing it as well. It's not Patrick Reed. That's for sure. It's not Henrik Stenson. It's not, you know... Any of these other guys, it's, I don't, I mean, Justin Thomas has not gotten nearly to that level yet. It is Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy, apart from Tiger Woods, who golf needs to have win. I mean, that's the only way they're going to be able to keep these purses as high as they are, I think, or, you know, get the, get the ratings and the, the, the sponsorships and the, the viewers and everything. You need these guys to be in at least contention going into the weekend and for sure on Sunday. Round two is the big day for ESPN. Uh, last year was tied with the lowest uh, ratings of the past decade for Friday. And uh, it jumps up here, uh, and, and it was the biggest in five years. We know why that is. I always say, I mean, there's a difference between being a good golfer and a star. Uh, Justin Thomas is a great golfer. He's not a star. Right. No, nobody cares. No, no non-golf person cares. Uh, if Justin Thomas wins the majors. And that's my uh, point. I, 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 like, you and I are on the same point. page with this. Yeah, I don't know if Sean Kirk would disagree with this. I mean, yeah, a lot of great golfers. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's good. But nobody, you can be you can be an all-time great. doesn't mean anybody's going to care to watch you. People care about Steve. People care about McElroy. Uh, Mickelson is done, but people care about him. Uh, people are looking for Tiger Woods to win one more. And yeah, if you want to put Ricky Fowler, you know, people I think Bubba Watson, uh, people know of him, and you know he's yeah. he's got a name and he's won a couple. So again, there's a few stars out there, but again, uh, if Tiger Woods was not in this tournament, uh, ratings would not be as high. So no. hopefully, uh, you know, Tiger Woods can be relevant and in competition these next couple of years, and then people who would not watch golf do watch golf, and they can say, "Wow, Jordan Spieth, he's really good. Yeah. Maybe he is worth turning into because." I mean, you just look at the numbers the past couple of years, they're not good. I mean, there's no debating of, you know, no. how, how there's not a lot of people watching golf compared to uh, even, you know, four or five years ago. Well, and we just, know why. Yep. And, you know, so. Well, you just look at the Valspar Invitational and the Bay Hill Invitational this year. Their ratings skyrocketed compared to last year. I don't want to say there's like a 400% increase for one of the tournaments. And Amazing. why is that? It was, it was, Amazing. Yeah, and why is that? Because Tiger Woods is in it, and Tiger Woods is competing. Now, I will say that you know I remember Jordan Spieth last year in the Open Championship. Remember where he like had to hit his second shot on that par four from like the the practice range. And that was bad. That shot. It, it was, but I mean that. And then he made that. It was a great shot after that. And I think I don't can't remember if he birdied the hole or if he parted. it. But I mean that got you know the the Twitter sphere talking that got people tuning in because like oh my gosh if, okay. like I'm I'm seeing what's going on with Jordan Spieth here or I'm reading about it I need to tune in and see what this guy is doing that's but that's the think? that's the power of Jordan Spieth being a star that's Jordan Spieth Tiger Woods and maybe a couple other golfers on tour there's no one else right now that can do what these guys do. You, you look at Tiger Woods. What do we remember? Duh. We remember him winning the Masters when he was yep. 21 years old. Yep. We remember that everybody. We remember that putt on 16. It was a putt or a chip on 16. It, it just h- hangs on the lip of the cup for what seemed like an eternity. 
with Vern Lundquist. We yep. remember that. Uh, his last major 10 years ago, torn ACL. Yep. We remember that. Uh, blitz in the field uh, at Pebble Beach. And what was it? 01. Yes. He was 15 under. Next guy was one older. Insanity. We yep. remember. Those are things we remember. Because he was more dominant than anybody has ever been. Jordan Spieth, he's won you know, four or five majors. I can't, I can't tell you a goddamn thing about any of them. Uh, McElroy, I remember his British Open, which rivaled Tiger Woods because he blitzed the field and he was, whatever he was, 18, 19 under, and there was nobody within 10 shots. I seem to remember that. I, I remember Spieth shitting the bed a couple times at the Masters. Yep. I forgot he had even won a green jacket a couple years ago yeah. uh, for, a, for a little bit. The one, the one tournament that I remember the fondest is the is the Open Championship last year that he won. It's about what, uh, McElroy? No, uh, uh, Spieth. Sergio won it last year. No, Sergio won the Masters, yes. I, yeah. Spieth won it, I think, what, in 2015 okay. or 60. But I would say the, the Open you Champion... Can't tell me, no, I can't tell you anything about that. The Open Championship is the one that I remember Spieth winning the most out of his majors, and it's in large part because of that shot that he had to hit from the driving range. Yeah. I mean... And well, Bubba Watson had the great shot at the Masters uh, by the tree. I remember that. Yeah. He won. Yeah. Phil Mickelson had that through the pine straw on that par five. Yeah. I mean, so the, you, you remember some of these moments. It, it's about the moments as well. You know, it, that's part of the deal here. When we're talking about stars and, and great moments, that's, that's part of, part of the whole presentation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. No, no doubt about it. No, no doubt about it. Um, Couple other things, I guess, that I have to get to, and then if there's anything else that you have, uh, well, we should talk about the NBA uh, season. It's coming down to the final, uh, you know, final week here. We'll have a final full play. NBA playoff preview next week. Even though there, every team will have played one game, some will have played two. No, no, probably not. Well, get the hell out of here! Get the hell out of here! <laughs> uh, the West is absolutely insane. Uh, I mean, the the Timberwolves. Thank goodness that they. Decided to wake up, uh, get out of that that bed, and not shit the bed against the Lakers. So that's very good for them uh, that they kind of hung on to their playoff aspirations here for another couple of days anyway. But then Saturday, I'm thinking, okay, I need the you know the the Trailblazers in San Antonio. Trailblazers, they can win that one. The Thunder are visiting Houston. Houston's got this. They're playing great. They they've won like 20 in a row at home. The Pelicans are playing the Warriors in Golden State. I mean, that's going to be a tough game, but Golden State should be able to win that. No, every one of those teams, the Thunder, the Spurs, and the Pelicans, all won. Uh, I mean, just anything that the Timberwolves would need to give them a little breathing room, done. I mean, they need to beat the Grizzlies and the Nuggets here to make the playoffs. I think they're going to, but it's coming down to the to the wire. This Western Conference is absolutely insane. Like if Jimmy Butler is healthy for the past month and a half, I mean, I think they're comfortably in by yes. this point. Yep. So that's reason one. I wouldn't fire Tibbs. It's been yep. a disappointment. I, I put well, I, I put it on the players. I put it on the players. You, you have to play defense. Tibbs isn't out there playing defense. And it's, I mean, it's, I think it's just ridiculous. I was more of all right, you know. It's not a guarantee they're making the playoffs, and people were like, you know, fifty, fifty-five wins. 
thought they won 30 games last year. It's like 20 more wins, that's not normal. I think Philadelphia did it, and Philadelphia and Utah have been the two surprises this year. Yep. We're just like, baby steps here. You haven't been in the playoffs in eight years, ten years. It's been a long time. Don't, I mean, you're not going to go from 30 wins to being the damn three seed here, so just be happy to make the playoffs next year. And then, you know, hope you can maybe jump Oklahoma City next year. You can jump San Antonio. Maybe you can win your division. Mm-hmm. Know your Jimmy Butler's healthy and everybody else gets better. So, uh, I mean, I thought expectations were a little high, considering they lost 50 games last year. I think the expectations rose considerably with the acquisition of Butler. I think a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people were thinking, myself included, I thought they'd make the playoffs last year. And I said, okay, that's not going to happen, but I think they're going to make the playoffs this year. When Butler came, that's when I'm like, yes, this is a team that is that is going to make the playoffs. I think it was, you hate to say that it's expected of a team to make the playoffs when they haven't made the playoffs in over a decade. What, 13 years now? But just with, yeah. with between Towns and Wiggins and Butler, that's a nucleus of three stars that you would think could rival the Westbrook, you know, Carmelo, Paul Georges of the world. You know, I mean, not not the big three in Golden State by any means, or, I mean, maybe not even the duo of Harden and Paul in Houston. But, I mean, that's a certainly a trio that you would think could make the playoffs fairly easily. Now, again, the, the injury to Butler has certainly knocked them out of, uh, you know, it, 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 made, it made things much more difficult for him, but I, I still think that they it's if they don't make the playoffs this year, it's disappointing in part, or I'd say mostly due to the lack of defense and then losing on the road to the likes of the Hawks and the Nets, and then losing at home to the Grizzlies. You just can't, those three games you can you cannot lose those games. I don't know how the tiebreaker works here. Um, if Denver beats them. I think series is tied at 2-2. Denver's got Portland tonight, so that's an important game. So if they if they end up tied, let's say Portland beats Denver tonight, Wolves beat Memphis against the D-League squad, they're rolling roll, roll out there. That's going to struggle for the Wolves in the first half here. Let's say uh, Timberwolves have a one-game lead heading into the final game. Let's say they somehow lose to Denver. They're both tied. Uh, season series tied at 2. I don't know what the tiebreaker is. So, I don't know, maybe uh, if Portland beats Denver tonight and Minnesota beats Memphis, then the Wolves may have the playoff spot clinched by by that last game, then it won't matter. But, so. I mean, you still, I mean, I, you don't want the eight seed unless that's, the, the, that's what they're guaranteed to get. I mean, I would much rather, you know, get the seven or the six seed, whatever you can get. I mean, you just yeah, don't yeah. want to play the Rockets in the first round. And at, at this point, there's a, you know, New Orleans, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, three teams tied for five, six, seven. So, I mean, it's, yeah, any one of, literally any one of six teams could be the four or the nine. So, mm-hmm. yeah, final, final game of the year, it's going to come down to it. And uh, on the east side, Philadelphia, it's all about Philadelphia. What a game that was between the them and the Cavs on Friday night. I mean, the 76ers have a 30-point lead, and they just wither it away. Like it, it's just going. Uh, 
I don't, I don't know. I mean, could you can call a conspiracy theory here if you want to? But uh, I mean, my goodness, uh, for that game to for the Cavs to come back in that one, that was something. But the 76ers ultimately win, and uh, we talked about this, I, I think, on Sunday. If the Cavs get the four seed, that it, either way, I I'm trying to. What is the easier road for them? To play, you know, the five seed, which would be if they play the five seed, it's Indiana, and I think they win that one comfortably. If they, but then they would have to play Toronto. Or would you rather be the three seed, play, let's say, Milwaukee or Milwaukee Milwaukee or Miami, and then play the Boston Celtics, who are without Kyrie Irving? I mean, either way, I, I think I'd, I think I'd rather play Boston, even though. Toronto is the they are the Washington Capitals of the NBA. They just always fail in the playoffs. The Toronto Raptors. Oh yeah, Toronto Raptors. So I mean there's 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 no confidence there. No. um, I think it's Philadelphia and Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that's the best case scenario. Uh, Unfortunate for Boston, but uh, Toronto makes the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean it's yeah. yeah look, they it's did last bad. year, didn't they? Or was that two years ago? Whatever it was. Like the Hawks made that one year when the Hawks were great all of a sudden winning like, like 65 yes. games. And then nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody thought they were. I think, uh, and then Cleveland swept them. LeBron swept them right out of the building. So, uh, Philadelphia and Cleveland, that's, that's worth that. That is worth that this year. Yep. Uh, do you think LeBron's going to go to Cleveland? In the off, or into to Philadelphia in the off season, or is he going to resign with with Cleveland? If he goes anywhere, I think it's going to be Philadelphia. You don't go out west. Lakers are I wouldn't go to Lakers. Uh, Houston would be interesting if they can make that work somehow. What about the Clippers? Be, that, that would be they would be far more hated than the Golden State Warriors getting Durant. And then the thing is, again, I mentioned this when we were talking about Durant and LeBron. The difference between the two. Because I don't think Durant ever would have won a title where he was at. Well, I think LeBron, if he stays in Cleveland this entire time, doesn't go to Miami for four years. I believe Cleveland does win a title. I agree. With him. So, and, and he can still win a title, or at least get to the finals with Cleveland. Um, you know, that's, that's tough. Will he? I don't know if any, any of it depends on what he does here. If he's more likely to say if they win or if they lose. I... I mean, that would be tough for him to leave again. Mm-hmm. But he did win them one. He got them one. Uh, so they got him as one title. I don't think they're winning this year. No. I think he, I think he's moving. I, I, I mean, what team would you rather be on? What team is better? LeBron with uh, Cleveland? or I think LeBron with Philadelphia. Hell, Philadelphia is better now, yeah. record-wise at least. Yep. I would jump. I would jump on that uh, bandwagon right now. Go to Philly. Yep. Uh, I mean, the, the Clippers also would be a, I think a, a intriguing and, uh, spot. I mean, it's, it's intriguing because they don't have anybody, so they can bring anybody in. You know, Paul George, where does he go? The Lakers, Lakers have some young guys. Clippers don't have really nothing there that intrigues me. I'm just staying in the East. Yeah, you stay in the East. You'll be fine. Right. No, I, I mean, I, the one thing with Philadelphia, for what it's worth, 
I mean, yes, you get the you get to play the the terrible Nets and the terrible Knicks here, you know, multiple times a year. But you do have to go against Boston and Toronto. Uh, for what it's worth, Toronto is very good in the regular season, and Boston will, will have Kyrie Irving back. They'll have Gordon Hayward back. So is is Philadelphia really the class of that division? That would be the question that yeah. I have going forward. That's that's a very difficult uh, top three to crack there. That would be yes. Okay. Okay, I mean that with LeBron, yes, but it would be a little more difficult than say in in the Central it, with Cleveland. I mean, because you're going to easily beat the Bulls, the Bucks. Well, I mean, they're they're going to wrap up the division tonight against the Knicks. But it took, I mean, it took the 81st game for them to take down Indiana for the division. Yep. So it was it was tough. Indiana would be the surprise team for me. Utah, it would be Utah and Indiana. I think would be the top two surprises in the league for me this year. Yeah, Utah lost Gordon Hayward. But, uh, yeah, Philadelphia, a lot of people, I listened to one of our shows from back when, around draft time last year, and I was kind of pumping the brakes on Philadelphia. Because Fultz, I mean, Fultz hasn't done anything. No, he has not. No. At least he's playing. Um, but, but, Embiid, Embiid. And Ben Simmons. Yeah, Embiid, I think, is a good enough player to be the best player on a championship team. But, you know, this was a good year. It was a, it was a healthy year, so hopefully he can have ten more good ones. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Last thing I have, uh, we talked, I think, a little bit about this last week, but, you know, now that Craig Smith is going to uh, Utah, or that he's been named the head coach at Utah State, right. USD gets a new head coach, but sounds like Matt Mooney is transferring. He says he... I, I read the tweet earlier uh, on Monday, and he said, I get, doesn't, I've been granted my release from USD. It doesn't mean I'm going to leave, but I'm just exploring my options. Well, if he, let me let me just run through some of the teams. Arizona, Arizona State, TCU, um, Virginia, Missouri. Yeah, Missouri, Stanford. Why would you even consider going back to USD when you have these high-end D1 schools that are trying to get your services. I mean, TCU, I think he would do great there. Um, I think, you know, Arizona and Arizona State would be good as well. So, too, would Missouri, but, I mean... I want him to go to Virginia. I'll laugh my ass off if he goes to Virginia. Would you become a Virginia... Would you take Virginia seriously because Matt Mooney would no, be the best God, shooter? No. No, oh, okay. God, no. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck Virginia. <laughs> Oh. And it's just the, the basketball side of things. I don't know what his major is. But the, uh, the, the school side of the academic side of things, I don't know if USD can offer anything better than what those schools can. So it's interesting to see what so what he can do. And this has really never been an issue if, you know, Dom, you know is Dom going to do this? No, Dom's staying. So and just different the, the difference between USD and SDSU. Uh, USD, Mooney was a transfer to begin with, and he's leaving early, it sounds like. And uh, USD has, you know, Amy Williams to Nebraska, Craig Smith to Utah State, and, you know, maybe, you know, Apfelberger, some people think he's, you know, maybe leaving town quick, maybe he stays for six, seven years. Yeah. I mean, there's just a clear difference between the two schools. SDSU is a destination, USD is a stopping oh, point. A little bit more. And uh, Minnesota's women's job is open. 
and uh, I don't think anybody knows around these parts that cover SDSU. I don't think they realize that it's open. It opened up today. Um, their coach was talking Texas Tech. She's going to Texas Tech, so anybody want to start some rumors here about you know, Karen Johnson going to Minnesota? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not starting those rumors. Like Minnesota would be dumb not to hire him because we know what would happen if he went. He'd be great. Yes, he would. But, uh, sure, there are there. They will hire somebody else. I'm sure. Yep. I I don't. Do you think AJ would take Minnesota's job if they offered it to him? I think it would be a significant raise in pay. Yep. If it was after, if this was a year from now, Macy Miller and Gebert are gone. I think he would be more likely. He's got Maya Sellen, though, and and, uh, and yeah. Healy Irwin. I mean, they, they just keep keep pumping it in. I mean, not, so not to say that he wouldn't be able to recruit these ladies oh, to go would, to Minnesota. Knows, he, he would. But, uh, all he, of those players we mentioned would, would be... All those players we mentioned would fit in more than well at Minnesota. Yep. Macy Miller, he'd be great. Yep. Uh, Gieber would be great. Uh, Maya Sellen, I have... I'm a big fan of her, so I think she'd be fine. Yep. And a lot of those girls probably could have gone to Minnesota or somewhere else. But, but here's know, the thing. South Dakota State and Green Bay in this region are better than Minnesota right now. Or Nebraska or Iowa. Yep. Or anybody else. Yep. So, I mean, it's it's weird when you, when you talk about two mid-majors being, you know, better... Jobs right now. Yes, I mean, do you have the chance to go further at you know at Minnesota or at Nebraska? Sure, but I mean, it's far more difficult to win in here. And not saying that like that's why he stays, but I mean, you just look at the the players that you're able to get at South Dakota State, a mid major. You know, the, look at the players that Green Bay gets. I mean, it's it's they're they're in the same field with you know with Minnesota. They just recruit better and they have a better standard for their programs. Like that's the, that's it. I mean that's that's the real that's the at the heart of the matter, that that's that's what the deal is. There's a reason why they don't play anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> Apart from the WNIT. And it's not uh, it's not on XCSU's then. No. No it no it is not. No it is not. They'll play anybody, including the national champions. Right. Yes, they will. Uh anything else from you before we say so long? WrestleMania was last night. Yes, how was that? Long. It was very long, second. It always is. So, it always is. It was all a five hours plus a two hour free show. It was always long. It was at the Superdome again this year. How did Ronda Rousey about, look? Uh, she looked great. She yeah. was, uh, she's probably in the best match. She was, she was exceptional. I mean, she outdid all expectations, so she's going to be a good one. Good. First two and a half hours of the show, uh, it was on track to be one of the best of all time. And then last last two hours, didn't it wasn't Donald for his, uh, maybe a little long for the crowd. Uh, matches at the end didn't quite live up to expectations, but overall positive. Just just a very long show. But uh, first, if you if you want to go back and watch it, uh, the first two and a half hours were were exceptional. Okay, I'll get right on that here in between naps from Noah. Uh, I'm sure he'll be a big fan as well. Wake him up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Undertaker was there. Uh, Brock Lesnar, surprisingly, 
Uh, he won the title. So. Oh, I picked that one wrong. Uh, I did as well, Lesnar. He's, uh, sounds like he's staying with WWE and he'll also fight in the UFC again. Maybe at the end of the year. So. He's, he's making money at both ends. Speaking of uh, UFC, uh, you know what? Oh, no, hey. no, uh, no, no. <laughs> you want me to say it? Nope. Okay. We won't. You can read about what happened last week in New York in the blog. Not going to give uh, this particular individual, this human trash, the, the, the time of day. Good. So. That's a good idea. Uh, all right. Yep, we'll stop there. Okay. Anything else? No, baseball, playoffs, good good time of year. Yes, it is. NFL draft coming up. NFL schedule next week. Expect your mock schedule next week when we're on. Yeah, I saw the guy that did just the uh, the primetime games. I like that. Just do the primetime games. You got a you you chance. But from the NFL oh, schedule geez. rumor Twitter handle, is that what you're talking about? You tweeted at somebody else because he had, like, Green Bay playing back-to-back weeks on Monday night, and that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah it, is, yeah, it is. And he's got the Rams playing on Monday night in, like, week three. That can't happen because they're playing at USC. And I'd, unless something's changed, because it's during a school year, you the Rams can't well, host any night games well, while school's in session. I never understood that. For the Gophers, for colleges, I never understood any of that. It doesn't make any sense to me. They play Thursday night games. Uh, Friday night games, I don't get it. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, do they have, do, do they know when they're doing this, or is it the bullshit like last year? Well, eh, it might be Tuesday, it might be Wednesday, yeah, maybe Thursday. <laughs> it's like they know they know what it is, or they telling anybody else what it is. And then ESPN, you have a goddamn three hour <laughs> show. You know what the schedule is? Six goddamn months from. I, I think it's uh, either going to be next Tuesday or next Thursday, so the seventeenth no, or the nineteenth. No, I think that the, most people believe it's going to be April nineteenth. Well, I myself don't give a shit at all. <laughs> uh, Vikings Eagles your first game. I'm sure Vikings Packers, Vikings Rams, Vikings Patriots. Some good games for the old Vikings. Yep, Saints Vikings. That'll be good. Uh, yeah. Got some good stuff there. So, all right, my friend. Thank you so much, uh, and we'll we'll talk next week. It sounds like Boots is going to write a book, so we're we're excited about that. And Children's book or what, what? What kind of book? A mystery novel? It's uh, autobiographical, something or other. <laughs> I, it should be fun. Hopefully, it's a New York Times bestseller. I hope so too. All right, very good. We'll talk more about that next week. We'll see you later. Sounds good. Travis Krenz joining us here. Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate his time. As always, great stuff there. Baseball, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. Again, you got the you know, you got the NFL schedule coming out next week. Super excited about that. You got the NFL draft coming up in a few weeks. Hopefully you get Jeff Lloyd the second on here later uh, in the podcast. Uh, but coming up next, uh, yeah, uh, I lost my train of thought there. Coming up next. Marcus Traxler, Mitchell, Daily Republic, our resident Mel, uh, Mel, not Mel Kuyper, our resident Barry Melrose, previewing the 2018 Stanley Cup playoffs. That's next year's Sports Block podcast, now available on iTunes. We continue here on the Sports Block podcast. It's NHL playoff time, and that means it's a great time to talk to my good friend, Mr. Marcus Traxler, from the Mitchell Daily Republic, our resident uh, Barry Melrose. 
Barry Melrose Jr., how are we doing today? I'm doing well, Stack. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, the NHL playoffs are upon us. It's been a long season. And uh, so, uh, lest we forget, uh, we both picked Edmonton to make the uh, Stanley Cup Finals, I believe, right? Or did you pick Chicago? I'm, I'm sure I picked Edmonton, if I if I recall correctly. And that was obviously a great pick because uh, they are, are not one of the 16 teams in the playoffs. So our apologies to the fine folks in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, for uh, for jinxing their team this year. Pittsburgh is still alive, though. Uh, so let's just begin in the East. We'll spend a, probably a majority of the time on the Wild and the Jets, though I, I fear that the Wild will be out in the playoffs here very quickly. But uh, you have the, the Penguins against the Flyers in the East. Uh, I mean, it's I don't think the Penguins are as unbeatable as they have been in previous years. I, I just think that there's something to them this year that I, I maybe they, they I don't think they're going to make the Stanley Cup final again, though they most likely will prove me wrong. But I think they are going to be able to beat Philadelphia. They're just too skilled. You know, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Phil Kessel, uh, just just too good. I think they're going to beat the Flyers pretty easily. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I would agree with you. Uh, this is still, you know, when you think about it, this is a team going for its third straight uh, Stanley Cup title, something that, that just has not happened very often in this right. era. And uh, <clears throat> I, I would say that... Um, I feel like they've got the easier half of the bracket. Uh, Without you know, question. I, I, and I would say that there's not many years where we would say that. You know, their division um, is a little bit easier. It's, you know, based on this format, we've complained about it before. Yeah. We'll probably complain about it some tonight as well. Yep. That uh, they're going to run into the Capitals more than, more than likely. And so that'll be a good series. But, you know, ideally, you know, one really good team is probably going to be knocked out. Um, I think they should get past the Flyers fairly easily. This seems like uh and if we're just sort of talking about really both both conferences, this may be a very chalk first round of the playoffs. I think. I I could definitely see that as well. Uh, you mentioned uh, the playoff format again. They keep doing this stupid thing where the the, the top three teams in the division and then a wild card will play one another. I mean, it just—it's not the—it's not the one versus the eight necessarily. Well, it, to a degree, it is, but then you know, it just—it's—it sucks. It, can we get back to the regular, you know, the playoffs the way they were before this last lockout, or will that not happen until Gary Bettman is no longer the commissioner of the NHL? I mean, I think it could happen again. It just depends. I mean, we're probably we're probably going to need another lockout to to change it back. Uh, but I think we're going to. We're going to see. Um, we're seeing the groundswell, I think, enough to say that things might change again. Because um, the whole point was know, to some, get rivalries, you know, with these teams and generate a little more interest amongst fan bases and across the national landscape. I think it's worked. I mean, I think to a certain extent, we've gotten Penguins Capitals. I don't know how many years, but people want to see that in the Eastern Conference Finals or. You know, I know you're you're a guy who would like to scrap the divisions all together and just go with a big pile up of 16 teams. Yep. Um, you know, maybe those two teams should be playing for the championship. I don't know. Um, you know, considering that this whole you know this league was really founded on a ruse about the original six and all that crap for you know however long. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see what the I don't see what the point or difference would be. Uh, you had 
Detroit in the Western Conference for a long time. Now they're in the East. Um, I just think that that's, that's something that should be considered. At least give us the, the top eight in each conference and, and we can get on with it. And, you know, I, I, you know, going back to the rivalry thing, you know, it has worked. It has, yep. Ch- the Wild hates Chicago. I don't know if Chicago really hates the Wild. Minnesota's never beaten them in the playoffs. But, um, you know, in that way, you do sort of grow a, a disdain. Um, you know, we've seen Boston and Toronto before in the playoffs, and that should be a really good series once again. Yep. Um, so, the, you know, in, in those in those senses, I, I think it has. Uh, it has worked some. It has, but I think it served it. It served its purpose, and it's good because you do get those rivalries. But those can extend now for years to come. And if they meet in the playoffs, that's fine. But you don't need to meet in the playoffs in the first round or the second round every year. Let's get a chance to meet in the conference finals or let the cards play. You know, as they lie. What's that? I'm sorry. Look, I'm just saying. Let you know. You do have the chance to play these guys in the first or second round, but let's see what you can do if you get to the conference finals. Like, yeah, The rivalries have served the purpose, especially for the regular season, and, and they can for years and years but to come. But let's just let's go back to how it is and you know, and just see what the old format's like if we can continue to have these, you know, these rivals and whatnot. Yeah, and you know what? I, I actually, you know, I think I don't think there would be anything wrong with saying we're going to take the top three teams in each division, no matter what. But I think it would still make more sense to see that one through eight, you know, or whatever. Yes. I realize that's maybe, you know, counterintuitive to what they're trying to do. But I just think, you know, you can maybe have some sort of compromise. And uh, I'm very, I mean, I'm still interested. I'll watch as many games as I can handle. But yep. um, I, I think we both agree, yeah, that this is not the ideal format. And, um, you know, we well, we could make the same argument about the NBA. We don't want the format there either. Right. Um, we com- we complain about the format in baseball, you know, football to a certain extent as well. So it happens. I mean, it's part of part of the game. Yes, it is. Uh, continuing in the Metropolitan Division, you do have the Columbus Blue Jackets against the Washington Capitals. Uh, Columbus not as good as they were last year. Washington routinely disappoints in the playoffs. I think they'll get by Columbus this year. I actually feel relatively uh, good about Washington's chances. Uh, especially you know if they do play the Penguin squad, uh, squad in the second round, but psych- psychology always plays a role in this here. And you know the Capitals just they struggle in the postseason. Do you see Columbus having a decent chance to pull off an upset here? Um, no. To be honest, I mean I think this could be a series that is uh, maybe six games, but I, I think. Uh, Washington's done a good job this year as far as putting themselves in a position uh, to have some success. You know, whether that's a product of Pittsburgh maybe, like you said, maybe dropping back a little bit or or whatnot. Um, it is interesting to look at, you know, Washington. They seem to be the favorite to come out of this side of the bracket. And they would be my favorite. I mean, it's going to be them in Tampa Bay, I think, the top two favorites. I, I think Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay is playing certainly – uh, you know, one of the hotter teams in in uh, hockey, but I think uh, I think they should get out of this first round fairly. In in the Atlantic Division, I watched a lot of Boston, Florida Sunday night because there was a makeup game from a snowstorm earlier in the year, and Boston had everything to play for. You know, they could be the top seed in the East, win the Atlantic Division, get to you know 
play who was it? The they get to play the Devils, and mm-hmm. Florida had nothing to play for. They were eliminated, and Boston just looked so lackluster. And I hope that's not a that's not foreshadowing what's to come in the playoffs. They're going to play a very good Toronto Maple Leafs team. A lot uh, they got a lot of great young players led by Austin Matthews. But Boston has uh, their fair share of, of good young players as well. Donato, uh, uh, McAvoy. They're, I'm going to take Boston in seven, I think, in this one. But this is, a, this is, to me, one of the most intriguing of the first round matchups. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it's my favorite, I think. Um, I think a lot of the things you mentioned, um, it's amazing. You know, I think Tuka Rask has played a lot better. You mentioned Donato, who's, you know, really a, kind of a, a great story considering he was at Boston U not very long, not very long ago. And, uh, you know, I think Toronto, obviously Austin Matthews sort of steals the show in that regard, but I, I would take Boston, uh, in, in probably six or seven games as well. I, seven's probably the right, the right number. I like that the Devils are back in the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to be able to hold a lick against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay may be the uh, deepest team in the playoffs uh, with Vasilevsky in goal or in net. Uh, they have very good scoring. I just like this Tampa Bay squad a lot. I think they win in no no more than five games. But uh, uh, Tampa Bay, you mentioned it earlier, you might like them to be the team to beat out of the East. Uh, this team is loaded. They are, and uh, you know it's unfortunate for the Devils that they have to play them because you know we mentioned Edmonton, and they of course traded uh, Taylor Hall, mm-hmm. and uh, he's been terrific for for uh, for the Devils in these playoffs. So I, I think in that way, um, you know, I, I, I'm very interested to see what the Devils can do. Um, they they really have some some terrific players. Nico Escher is one of those guys, only 19 from Switzerland. You know, the big draft pick, highly skilled. So um, I, I think they could threaten. I think this is probably a little bit longer than people expect. But, yeah, I certainly uh, hope that uh, Tampa gets through. I mean, we, this seems like a team that's been sort of beating down the door of getting uh, back to the Stanley Cup final. And I hope that it's at least them and Washington duking it out. That's that's a heavy hint as far as where I think this Eastern Conference playoffs are, are going. But, yeah. I, 24 hours ago, I was going to say, I think Boston is the team to beat in the East. But that game against Florida, for whatever reason, scares me. And now, like I say, you have Tampa Bay with home ice advantage there. I like you. I think I'm going to take Tampa against Washington in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'll ride with Washington, even though I don't really like it. At some point, you got to break through. Uh, so I'll, I'll pick Washington over Tampa Bay, but... Uh, I don't say that with a great deal of confidence at all. I, I just think Tampa Bay is probably the class to beat, but I'll ride with Washington one year and see what happens. Yeah, it's a it's a fair fair way of looking at. It. I just think if there's ever going to be a time, it's got to be now. I mean, it's got to be now for Washington. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's interesting. Um, we would maybe maybe a, a stretch to use this comparison. I'm not sure that Washington is going to need like a Minnesota miracle, Stephon Diggs type thing to get past. The Penguins, but if they were to beat the Penguins, it would be a really big deal considering how they how they've been, uh, you know, sort of their their big problem for all these years. So, um, and then you probably are going to run into a really good team in in Boston, Toronto, or Tampa Bay, most likely. So, um, I think in that way they're going to have a really big challenge because the big hurdle is getting past Pittsburgh, and then they're going to play a really good team. So, you know, the, maybe the odds in that way would maybe favor one of those teams up top. 
Right. No, a- absolutely. Um, yeah, it's. I, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it because the, the the Eastern Conference playoffs always seem to you know have the really good teams, really good matchups. The West that's going to be intriguing too. But I mean, you have Nashville against Colorado. I think Colorado has a a chance to win a game. Maybe I mean Nathan McKinnon, uh, Gabriel Landeskog. I mean we we hate them from the the Avalanche Wild uh, series here a couple of years ago. But there's no denying how skilled of a player Nathan McKinnon is for the Abs. But this Predators team, they are absolutely loaded. I thought that maybe they would take a small step back after last year's uh, run to the Stanley Cup final, but with you know between Pekka Rene and and all those guys, I mean they they brought back Mike Fisher in the middle of the year. This team is you know between Arvidsson. I just love Nashville all the way around. I think Nashville is probably the team to beat in the Western Conference this year. Uh, as you well know, probably probably too much yellow for my taste. Yes. But at least they <laughs> at least they've uh, sort of taken it in. I mean, it's it's clear that uh, Colorado would not be in the playoffs without Nathan McKinnon. Uh, one of the, again, one of those guys who probably uh, deserves some some heart trophy uh, talk. Uh, and I'd, I'd certainly be willing to listen to that because he's the reason they're in the playoffs. But this should be Nashville series, and I would agree with you. This may be one one of the shorter series we're we're going to have. We'll we'll leave the Jets wild for the last one in the Pacific. Sure. You have the Vegas Knights, which, by the way, I mean, this is an expansion team in their inaugural season in the in the playoffs. This is unheard of. This is uncharted territory. They're going to play the Kings and Jonathan Quick. I I hear that the matchup isn't quite as good because the Kings maybe like to slow things down. Vegas wants to go go go. I mean, Vegas struggled a little bit down the stretch, but do we think this magic can continue for this team? I mean, this has been an absolutely incredible season and just absolutely amazing what Vegas has done. Yeah, I'm I'm of the opinion that it, it may end, and it may end early. I mean, I, I don't know if they necessarily are going to get out of this uh, this little pod that they're in, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest. So. Um, I think I'm not necessarily convinced LA is the team, but um, I just feel like you can start to see the cracks in the in the Vegas veneer, if you will. And uh, I don't think, to me, uh, their defense is not that good. And uh, I think that's maybe the, the spot where a team could get them. Um, I, I will me, I'll edge, I'll edge their way. I'll say they'll win that series in seven. But um, and it's not really the Kings team of a few years ago that was no. winning Stanley Cups either, so it's it's an interesting uh, situation to sort of feel out, um, you know, it, they're one of those teams that can maybe feel like they've been wronged by everybody because they've got one player from every team, and there's just sort of this ragtag bunch, uh, but to me, they're not a, a Stanley Cup final series contender in my book. I would agree with that. It's still, though, just for what for what they've been able oh, it's to a, do, it's, it's, it's a great, great story, story without without a doubt. Yeah, great story. So um, it's I've really also, they've also got Mark Andre Fleury. He does have the playoff experience, but he has not been the you know bona fide calling card defenseman either. So um, yeah. they're a goalie, you know. So yeah. that's a that's an interesting. Uh, subplot to the series as well. And we were familiar with Eric Halla. He's had a few big goals in the playoffs during his time with the Wild. I really wish the Wild were playing Vegas, uh, in part because 
you know, they just seem to match up better with Vegas. They swept them during the season series. But, uh, I mean, I I think it's going to be tough. I, I really do. I As much as I want the Knights to win, I I feel like Jonathan Quick is going to – he's going to be the difference maker in this series. As good as Marc-Andre Fleury has been this year, I think Jonathan Quick may be the, the is the difference, and I, I feel like I'm going to take the Kings in seven. That's the way I'm leaning right now. But it should be a great series. The Ducks and the Sharks, that's going to be a good series. Anaheim is a little banged up, but you still have, you know, a lot of you know, good scores. What they get with Getzloff and Perry and and the crew. So, I mean, I just I think there's a slightly better team than the Sharks. They're they're playing some better hockey. I mean, I don't know what the Sharks were doing Saturday night against the Wild because uh, they had a lot more to play for in terms of the matchup. Maybe this is the matchup that they wanted with the Ducks. Sure. But I just I think I'll take Anaheim over San Jose, but I view this as a as a toss-up series as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think um you know, I, I like uh I think I like the Sharks or excuse me, I like the Ducks a little bit more here. You look at the way Anaheim's finished the season pretty hot. I, I think they've won maybe ten of their last twelve games, something like that. So that's a pretty good finish to the season. Again, maybe some guys postseason-wise, Getzloff, Ryan Kessler, some guys with, that would like one more, you know, solid run. So I would say in, in my particular scenario, there may be my team to get to the Western Conference Finals. I think they'll ultimately be overmatched by whoever they get, whether that's Winnipeg or Nashville or whatever. But um, they're, they're, uh, I like them a little bit more than the Sharks. Um, you know, Martin Jones is an okay goaltender, but I think he's somebody that can be beaten in this series. So if they don't do anything amazing and they're, they're probably the, the team that I'm, you know, aside from the wild in the West, I'm, I'm least high on. So the, you mentioned the Jets, the Jets play the wild. Uh, this, uh, the Jets took three of the four games this season from the wild. The wild don't have Ryan Suter. That's, I think, the biggest difference maker in this series. Because I do think the Wilds' playoff experience does come into a, a, it is a big factor in this. But I think that the the Jets have way too much offensive firepower. Dubnik has been suspect in the playoffs at times. At times he's brilliant. At times he mm-hmm. just gives up some very soft goals, and at, at you just kind of scratch your head and say, "What happened there?" I think they lost what like seven to two, seven to three up in Winnipeg earlier this year. In one of the games, that place is going to be raucous. I just and hopefully the Wild can prove me wrong because Parise's been playing really well as of late. Zucker, of course, is great. Stahl had an amazing year this year. I don't think anyone saw that coming, which is why I think he should be in consideration for the Hart Trophy as well. But I, I just think the Jets are going to overpower him too much. I like the Jets in uh, no more than six games. I hope the Wild prove me wrong, but don't you just get the feel like, oh, at least the Wild are in the playoffs, but just injuries are going to catch up to them? Yeah, and I maybe wouldn't have even felt that way, you know, two weeks ago, but the the Ryan Suter injury is a, is a game changer. I mean, considering that he, it's not out of the question for him to play half the game. No. Um, you know, that's a big, that you, it's just the one guy they couldn't afford to lose is the guy they lost. Yep. So, um, I think that it's it's a tough tough situation, 
And uh, I think, you know, Winnipeg is so good. You look at their roster, a lot of young players that are playing first, second line uh, type stuff. I mean, uh, Patrick Lane is incredible. Yes. I mean, he's only 19, 19 years old. So uh, he's scary. a problem in this series. And, yeah, I mean, he's just that's the guy who's probably going to be uh, in in the wilds. Uh, he's going to be in the wilds rearview mirror a lot. So they're just going to have to – they need Dubnik to be incredible in this series. And I just don't think he can probably play the way they need him to play for seven, seven games. I don't see the wild – I don't see any scenario where the Wild are winning this series in, you know, fewer than six games. Say only mm-hmm. in six games even. So, you know, they, they really need to steal at least one game on the road if they're going to really make this a uh, an interesting series. Um, I think it's a, it's a, it's an interesting position to, to find yourself in. I, I don't know if, uh, you know, the one question you could make here is that Winnipeg is not playoff proven at all. Right. You've got Kyle Buck, a young goalie, 25 years old, basically. Um, is he a guy you can maybe get to? I think maybe. I mean, I think, you know, the Wild need goal scoring, and I don't know necessarily how solid they're going to be in that regard. Um, you know, defensively, you know, again, maybe a team that's a little bit more unproven guys with, uh, that are maybe not household names, but from a goal scoring standpoint, they've got guys you've heard of, and that's, that's an issue as well. Yep, I mean, and Suter, I know a lot of Wild fans complain about him over the years, say, oh, you know, he he just does some dumb stuff every once in a while, but I mean, you don't really pay, we don't really mention his name a whole lot in terms of the bad stuff he does, because he doesn't do it very often. Uh, with At least with Matt Dumba, he seems like a turnover machine, but Matt Dumba is an offensive presence in this in this series. He needs to shore up his defensive um Ability, no doubt about it. For me, I think that you give Dubnik and and the Wild the edge in goaltending, and I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. It's just can the Wild? Because if they go down early to the Jets, I don't feel like they can necessarily come back. And I feel the opposite way about the Jets. I feel like if they fell in, you know, behind two nothing, three nothing, three one early in the game, I think they know that they have enough firepower to come back. I think with the Wild, it, it just it would be a snowball effect, as as crazy as that sounds. So I think it's going to be a high scoring series, um, and so it's odd for me to say that I give the Wild the edge in net, but I like the the Jets just a little bit more. I just think they're faster. I think they have a lot more goal scoring capability, and that's ultimately going to prevail in this series. There's a reason why they won three of the four games against Minnesota this year, and and what's funny is that. Minnesota last year ran into an absolutely blazing hot goaltender in St. Louis in Jake Elliott. Was it Jake Elliott? No. Jake Allen. Jake Allen, thank you. Um, And I don't foresee that scenario happening this year, but I do foresee, you know, Winnipeg just being able to score, you know, on average three, maybe four goals a game, and I think that that's just not going to be something that the Wild will be able to overcome. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to think about Dubnik and what, what situation, what type of game would best fit him. Like, to me, in a lot of ways, I think he's almost better if he's under siege, you know, mm-hmm. because he's almost going to have a harder time, in my opinion, letting in that soft goal. So, um, you know, I feel like if, if they're in a situation where he's got to make 40 saves, maybe that's better off um, 
because he's, he seems like the more shots he faces, the better off he is in some in some regards. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm just really worried about the wild defense. You yes. mentioned um, you know the mistakes that that sometimes Dumbo makes. He's a offensively he's great, defensively he's a liability. I no call him that dumbass. <laughs> yeah, well you you certainly do, and um, you know it's it's uh, they're just going to really be counting on a lot from these young guys. Nick Sealer is one of those guys uh, who they're going to be counting on a lot from. Uh, Carson Susi, who's played like three games. Um, well, Spurgeon's coming they, back from injury too. Yeah, Spurgeon. Spurgeon uh, is a the guy they they desperately need. Uh, Brodeen. I mean, Brodeen. I don't think can really use the excuse of being young anymore. I mean, nope. the guy who's been in the playoffs. They need him to step up. So it's a it's a tough position for them to be in. Um, I don't know. I, I think you kind of look at the the lines that they have, and you, you know, those those top six guys are Zucker, Stahl, Niederreiter, Parisi, Koivu, Granlund. Then you start getting into that third line. NS has been off and on this season. Cullen is almost 42, but you, he's a solid player. Mm-hmm. And then Charlie Coyle is kind of the guy where it's like, okay, we're, we're, they need him. I mean, they just need everything they can get out of him. And uh, I think they're just going to have a hard time um, generating offense from anybody except those guys. So they really need uh, those big guys to really to really knock for them. And that's going to be huge. Yep. Um, but I like the Jets in six. Sounds like you like the Jets uh, as well. I will take... I, I would I would prefer this to be a longer series, obviously, just because you don't want them to just get, uh, you know, rifled right out of the playoffs. That happened last year to a while. So um, you'd like this to at least be a six-game series. Um I'd like. There's a good chance I'll be going to Game Three, so Thank I'm. Uh, yes. I'm. I'd like it to not be two nothing Jets when that happens, but yeah. uh, it's hard. It's hard to know exactly if that's going to be the case. So um, I feel like this. Yeah, Jets. Jets in in six. I'd love it if it was a seven game series because if it reaches that point, the Wild have been playing well, and I think you put some doubt into the Jets. Jets' minds, and then that seventh game could go either way. So. Agreed, agreed. Or I just take Wild in six too, win it on home ice. That would be great. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't like I don't like the idea of the Jets winning the series at the X. So I I don't really want to say in six, but uh, I don't want it to be in five. You certainly don't want to get swept. So yeah, maybe this just needs to be a seven game series. That's no. right. Uh, and then on the Western Conference side, I just don't think anyone's going to touch the Predators this year. I mean, I will take them either against the the Knights or the Ducks. I guess if I have the Kings, if I'm leaning towards Kings taking down the Knights, then I will take the Ducks over the Kings. So I'll have the Predators and the Ducks, and I have the the Predators winning in five. I mean, just I think they're just way too good for anything that Anaheim or Vegas or L.A., San Jose, whatever any team has to throw at them, even Winnipeg. Winnipeg's going to give them a series in the second round if those two meet. But I just I think Nashville's just too strong overall. I like them to come out of the West. You know that I like to give you grief about the, the ratings and yes. stuff, of course. And so, you know, if we ended up in a situation where you had Winnipeg and Nashville playing each other, most people would be like, "Well, who's going to watch that?" But from a hockey standpoint, that would be an incredible series. It would. It won't be. It won't be for the uh, for the Western Conference title for the trip to the to the uh, Stanley Cup. But um, yeah, that that in by all by all intents and purposes would be that 
would that be that series I think people want to see. I agree with you. I think Nashville is incredible. I think they're the team that, that uh, to be honest, probably wins the Stanley Cup in my book, um, considering how close they were a season ago. And uh, I think Winnipeg, I mean, Winnipeg is a really good team, really solid. It's it's unfortunate they're probably going to take out the Wild, but I think they might just be a year. I mean, they just don't have the playoff experience. I'm, I'm going to err on the side of Nashville being there last year and slaying some serious dragons on the way, and maybe Winnipeg is that team this year. But um, I will I will uh, go with the Predators for now. All right. Now I have the Predators against the Capitals in the Stanley Cup Final. I think this would be a magnificent Stanley Cup Final. Um I, I'm very tempted to go with the Capitals here, so why the hell not? I'm going to jinx DC. Uh, so, sorry, Capitals fans. Uh, no, you know what? We're reversing course here. Already mid sentence. We're going the Predators. Predators over the Capitals in oh, wow. in. Uh, we'll, we'll go with uh, we'll go seven games. Okay. Wow. I will take. Uh, I, I just said now that I that Nashville. I mean, they feel like that Stanley Cup team. They are incredible right now. Uh, the, you mentioned it, that the way that, that city has uh, got their arena rocking, tough place to play. Um, I feel like it's the Lightning this year. I feel like it's it's their season uh, to, to, to put the cup up. Um, you know, they've got the goaltending to me in, in Vasilevsky. He's been yep. incredible. Um, Stamkos, Kucherov are, are incredibly solid players, so uh, for me, they'll take on the Predators. I think in that situation, there's, you can't really go wrong. Um, I think, you know, Canadians' heads would pop off because you got Nashville playing Tampa Bay for the championship. But um, I think uh, I think in that situation, uh, give me the lightning. It's going to be fantastic. we got a couple of months here to look through it all. I know uh, we'll get you on here throughout, the pod, or throughout those couple of months here on the podcast to recap it all or react to it thoughts and everything uh but marcus appreciate the time as always and we'll chat soon my friend thank you sounds good thank you marcus traxler mitchell daily republic our resident hockey expert here on the sports block podcast appreciate uh appreciate the time and uh perspective as always nhl playoffs usa and network cnbc nbcsn nhl network maybe the golf channel regular nbc throw it all in there it's gonna be great go wild Beat the Jets, though I doubt it. Uh, coming up next, believe we have Jeff Floyd the Second, Locked On Browns podcast, talking NFL draft with us. We'll wrap up this edition of the Sports Block podcast. Now available on iTunes. Stick, stay tuned. Stick around. Good stuff coming up here. We continue here on the Sports Block podcast. Pleased to be joined by my good friend Jeff Floyd the Second, Locked On Browns podcast. Take a listen to it. It's very good stuff. Jeff, how are you doing today? Oh, we're good. We're good. You know, uh, still got a voice at this point. Uh, I, I made a point to switch to salads for lunch, so I'm not getting too burnt out. Mixing in a couple of, you know, glasses of green tea a day. So, you know, trying to hold up here and make it to the 26th. Right. We are a couple weeks away and counting. That's good. I mean, we need you uh, healthy. We need you focused and everything for this draft because it promises every year. The draft promises always to be uh, an exciting time, and there's always something crazy that happens this year is going to be no exception uh today we're going to talk about the uh, some of the offensive prospects here uh we'll just start off with the quarterbacks uh obviously the top six we've talked about him a lot you still like sam darnold as number one correct 
Well, I have Josh Rosen as my number one quarterback, but I do think Sam Darnold is going to be the number one quarterback taken by the Cleveland Browns when it is all said and done. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's just talk about a couple of the other quarterback prospects that maybe people, you know, outside of the top six. Like the kid from Richmond is turning a lot of heads. You know, people think maybe it's going to be a. Uh, he might end up with Bill Belichick in New England. Who are some of the other quarterbacks that uh, might be taken in later rounds that we should be paying attention to? Well, obviously, uh, Lou Aletta, like you've mentioned, uh, you know, was probably un- you know underrated through the process. Now everybody's trying to, you know, everybody's getting there. I know he has the arm. You know, had some good, solid accuracy. Uh, the fact that he played at FBS, you know, obviously may you know. I'm sorry, F- uh, FCS may concern some people. I understand that. You know, but, you know, at the end of the day, look, the league is starving for quarterback play. So a guy like Loletta, and, you know, the rumor now is, is you're talking about a top 100 guy. Uh, I, I know we brought up the name before, Mike White out of Western Kentucky. Yep. Just extremely, extremely accurate. Uh, you know, arm strength is on par. He was never going to have the strongest arm in the league. But he's accurate. Uh, I know he's actually had... Uh, I, I know there's some rumors, and, and one I've loved and I've been on for a couple months is put him in Jacksonville. You know, uh, you look at Blake Bortles, what do you have there? You have a quarterback who's, you know, at times got some inaccuracy issues. So what's the perfect counteract and a guy to have behind him is a guy who, you know, what does he excel in? He excels in being accurate. They run a lot of the crossing routes. Blake Bortles at times, he runs hot and cold with those. Mike White beat those alive during his days down in Western Kentucky. Uh, I think you have your top six in this class. Uh, Loaletta. Uh, uh, Mike White, you know, you got eight guys right there. Probably, I'd say all of the eight probably deserve recognition or, you know, probability to go within the top 100. And it puts together a real strong quarterback class for 2018 here. Running backs, of course, Saquon Barkley is uh, by far and away the best running back in this class. But Darius Geis is really good. You have the two guys from Georgia, um, Nick Chubb and, and Sony Michelle. As well, they're going to get some looks. Who are some of the other guys then that, uh, first off, outside of Saquon Barkley, who do you like then as second in this class? And then who are some of the other guys that people should, that fans should be paying attention to? You know, someone like a, like a Ito Smith out of Southern Miss, uh, who could be a, a steal in the later rounds. Uh, well, obviously, you know, I, I, running back number two overall, I, you know, I'll stick with Darius guys. Uh, he's, I don't want to say he's taking a hit here, but, you know, scouts and everybody in the business, they like to have everything on you. We don't have jump numbers on Darius Geis. You know, some people think, oh, well, that's not the biggest deal in the world. Well, you know, it measures explosion. You know, a lot of these guys, the way they factor to get a final grade, they want the explosion numbers, which come from a vertical jump, which come from a broad jump. That's why they want these numbers. Look, some guys, you're never going to get them. You got to base it, you know, uh, you know off, uh, around that, not having that information. But Darius, guys, the way he runs, he you know, runs with a little violent tendencies. You know, some people, you know, give some Mar- Marshawn Lynch comparisons. I think he's faster on tape than Marshawn Lynch ever played in the NFL. But I really like him. I think, you know, I think there'll only be two running backs to go in round one. I think Darius, guys, is the other one who's going to join that party. Edo Smith is a guy you mentioned. Here's a guy who'll go in day three. Uh, good running back. Uh, a little bit undersized, but runs tough. Still stays between the tackles, even though he is a little bit undersized. Um, you know, he's going to, you know, take a jump here. Obviously, didn't play in a Power 5 conference. Uh, can receive the ball, which is, you know, obviously it's a mainstay almost now in the NFL. They want, you know, dual threat backs to go on the field. John Kelly out of Tennessee uh, oh, yes. didn't very yep. test very well, which is fine. I mean, you know, that is what it is. But you go to the tape, uh, he can receive. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, runs well between the tackles, plays bigger than his body size. You know, he, he's got all the tools, spin moves, stiff arms. 
fun player. Uh, you know, people always, you know, a lot of people, oh, well, maybe Alvin Kamara. Let's take a deep breath. You know, Alvin Kamara did get missed, and that's why he went in the third round. Uh, I don't think Kelly is anywhere near Alvin Kamara as far as an athlete. But John Kelly, special guy that you can probably get in that 75 to 100 range, you know, in round three. Good player. Another guy on day three I think you can have is uh, Chase Edmonds out of Fordham. Uh, plays similarly on tape. Looks a lot like Matt Forte. Uh, you know, good, good in the open field, able to spin move. You know, I'm not ridiculously, you know, supreme athlete, but plays with what the guy got has given him very well. Good receiving back as well. You know, put up a lot of, you know, four years of solid tape while playing at Fordham. Here's a guy you're going to get on day three, and he's a guy that can come in as a rotational back from day one and be part of your stable. I like the the mention of Kelly from Tennessee too because if you if you watch Tennessee last year, he was essentially like the only offense or guy who could do anything on offense for that yep. team. I mean, they were just awful and you knew defenses were going to hone in on him. So I I really like the Kelly um the, the mention of Kelly there. Wide receivers, you know, there's it seems like this is, you know, kind of a I don't know if it's as deep of class as we've had in previous years. There seems like there's a lot of good receivers, but not that one elite guy. You know, Calvin Ridley, you have Cortland Sutton from SMU, but uh, it seems like it's a bit of a down year overall from a true like wide receiver impact. I know DJ Moore uh, from Maryland's getting, um, you know, his stock seems to be rising a little bit. They're talking about him late first round, like to Jacksonville. What do you make of this wide receiver class? It is really tough, and, you know, if you wanted to go just solely on tape, I think the most NFL-ready guy would be a Calvin Ridley. You know, uh, route running was, was fantastic. But when you start to stack these guys up, you know, uh, you know, Ridley tested average at best, and now you're going to factor in the fact that he's closer to 24 than he is to 21. Uh, now you look at a guy like DJ Moore, who is only going to be 21, tested off the charts was the best player on a terrible Maryland team. So now, I mean, you're going to look at this, and now you're basing this on the next three to four, you know, four to five years with these guys. Do you want Ridley for, with what he is now? Because he's not going to improve that much. He's not going to get, you know, he is what he is at, at 23 and change. Or a DJ Moore who's going to come in, uh, you're going to be able to teach him some new things. He's going to learn how to you know, navigate and still grow his game on the fly at the age he is. Which one are you going to take in the first round? You're going to take a DJ Moore... Uh, and even with Calvin Ridley, one of the issues he's going to have is Alabama, it was an, ex- an extensive passing team. Mm-mm. So there's still going to be some hiccups for him. You know, you know, this is one of the concerns I had with Michael Thomas a couple of years ago coming out of Ohio State. Not a traditionally known program for throwing the football, which is what Ridley's kind of got to face here. But the thing that Michael Thomas had going for him was he was an elite, elite athlete. That's not the case here with Calvin Ridley. Uh, Cortland Sutton, I, I'm probably going to end up probably going to end up taking an L on Cortland Sutton. Uh, he, just, It's just not doing it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I didn't think he was going to test that great athletically. I apologize to Cortland Sutton. He shut me up and did that. But still, it just it never really popped me on the film that it has. Maybe I'm a wide receiver snob. Maybe I fell in love <laughs> with the 14 group so much right. that, it, that it's hard for me to see, you know, guys, you know, measure to that type of guy, that group again. I, I do like the group overall. I think you just got to understand with the fact, look, if you're looking for a wide receiver one, this ain't the year. If you need a two, a three, a four, you know, to fill out your core, there are plenty of options there. There are some good slot guys. You just got to base the class for what it is. But, you know, th- there is no there is no bona fide. You don't have an Odell Beckham here. There's no A.J. Green, no Julio Jones. You're not finding anybody like that in this no, group. 
No, absolutely not. I like James Washington from Oklahoma State. Maybe that's because you know I, I really like Mason Rudolph. I think whoever gets Rudolph is going to get a steal at the quarterback position there. What do you make of Washington from Oklahoma State? I think James Washington had a ridiculously good offseason. I, I mean, you know, as far as, far as you know, senior bowl and everything. Because uh, he was a guy that looked like he was a one-trick pony at Oklahoma State. You know, they basically ran five, six games, that, you know, five, six plays a game for him on deep vertical routes. Senior Bowl, he went down there dusting guys on underneath routes, slant, slant, short ends, square ends. Looked fantastic doing it. Caught the ball extremely well. Tested well in, you know, uh, tested well at the combine. I just don't think we're going to get maybe more than maybe one, if not two, wide receivers in the first round. Right. But, you know, James Washington, now, if you drafted a quarterback, and look, we're going to see a bunch of QBs go here, you know, one through five, one through six. You want to go get that guy, his guy, James Washington, sitting there in the low 30s. Man, that, that, that'd be a great guy to have and pair with a young quarterback and give him somebody he can grow with as the years go on. My biasness is going to come out here, but Jake Wenicke, uh South Dakota State, obviously – the the forty yard dash not his friend necessarily but he did improve at the at the SDSU pro day here a couple weeks back. Do we anticipate him being a? I, I think he's going to get drafted, but I'm thinking you know low sixth, maybe high seventh, mid seventh in there. Do we foresee him get drafted? And what do you what do you think he can do? Um, does it depend on the team that he gets drafted to? Because I. I've seen him for four years, so I I know the the talent. But again, you're playing against the FCS levels of the world. But I mean, you can't teach size, and that's what he has—a lot of length, and he's very good at catching the ball. What do we make of? Uh, where, where do you think Wenke will end up? I think what's going to help him is I do think he's going to end up somewhere, you know, probably in that sixth to seventh round range. What's going to help him is is he's a worker. It's not going, you know, he's not going to be afraid. To, he's going to know coming into it that nothing is granted for him, mm-hmm. which is fine. I mean, that's kind of way, you know, where he got to the success he had. So I, I think he's going to come in, uh, you know, he's going to, you know, understand there's going to be some special teams work involved. Uh, you may have to wait to get your call, but you, you, you're going to have to put in the time. Look, teams like the big body wide receivers that you can put on the outside. He's shown over the years he can take a hit. He is a reliable guy in terms of catching the ball. Uh, you know, you look at an Adam Thielen. Look, these guys, if you can get it done, You'll get your opportunity. You just got to stick to your craft. Be patient. But here's a guy on day three. And, you know, when you're getting a guy with his size, you know, a 210 plus over 6'2", you know, he brings everything you want. Obviously, just not in the athleticism department. You know, look, you know, you are what you are. You don't know, be who you are. But a guy like him on day three, you know, ideally with a guy like him on day three, you want to go to a good team. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go to a bad team where a coaching staff, you know, could be on the fence out. You know, Honestly, you want a perfect spot for him? You know, late on day three, San Francisco. Where, you know, yes. they like to add a yep. couple of playmakers, put him in a spot like that with an established QB who knows how to work with the tools around him. Mm-hmm. That'd be a great spot for him when be a team like San Francisco, you know, maybe late six, early seven. Well, and he's going to go for the 50-50 balls, too. I mean, he knows he's going to have to make those contested catches, and I certainly think he can do it. Again, I think people are kind of shying away from it more because of the speed. Mm-hmm factor there in the 40-yard dash. But we'll see what happens there. We'll keep with the biasness here. I love Dallas Goddard. You know that. I think he's the best tight end in this draft. There's a lot of talk about Hayden Hurst. Who do you think is going to go number one in the tight end class? And do you think we're going to see at least one tight end go in the first round? Because depending on who you look at for a mock draft, they say, oh, there's either going to be no tight ends or maybe there will be two taken. I mean, 
where where do you who do you think is going to be taken number one, and will we see one in the first round? The only tight end I sh- I see that should be going in the first round is Mike Isek. Uh, okay. Yep. Guy, he tested like an elite wide receiver at almost at six foot five at two hundred and sixty pounds. Ridiculous athleticism at what what this young man has. Obviously, a high school volleyball player, high school basketball player as well. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. You can kind of use him like Evan Ingram. Now, Evan Ingram's you know a, a pretty sizable amount smaller than he is. Mm-hmm. But Gazeki is more athletic, which is crazy for a man his size. Hayden Hurst, I do like. One of the things for me though is I don't I don't know if I want to spend a first round pick on a guy that's almost twenty five years old. It's great that you know baseball didn't work out for him. He found his calling in football. That's fantastic. But you know I don't know if I want to spend first round capital capital on a guy who's twenty five. Uh, your boy Dallas. The tough part there is is we don't have you know some things we want to know. And you know it was a rough draft cycle for him. Everybody expected him to get to this draft cycle and just continue the momentum he had off a four years of a playing career that was really, really good. I think he's going to go probably early to mid-second round. There's teams who are absolutely in love with him mm-hmm. and are going to be thrilled to get him there knowing that there was a good shot he was going to go in the high 20s. He's going to find a home, and he's going to go relatively early. You know, He will definitely be gone round two on uh, you know, uh, night two of the draft. And, I mean, I have to think that most of the concern is the fact that he wasn't able to run the 40-yard dash because of the hamstring pull he suffered during the Senior Bowl down there in Mobile. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's the thing. And, and you get yourself to, even still, though, and, and you look at Zeki, who is basically the biggest guy of this bunch, mm-hmm. and tested to be the greatest athlete. So once that was done, he was the biggest tight end. He's the most athletic. Everybody dropped right from there. You know, one was established with a bullet with Gusecki's testing numbers. So you know, it's you know, it is what it is, and it's a tough spot for Dallas Goddard. And obviously, you know, he would have loved to show out for everybody. But you know, most important thing is you know, getting yourself into a good spot and being healthy when you get to camp. So your rookie year isn't a wash like it was for a guy like Jordan Leggett last year with Clemson, who went to the Jets. And, you know, basically watched the entire rookie season from the sideline. And there have been some injuries with guys, you know, torn ACLs and whatnot in private workouts with yep. teams. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, why risk it and uh, and hurt your stock even more? So we'll see where, where he goes. Yeah, I think he's going to go – personally, I think Goddard's going to go either 27 to the Saints or 29 to the Jaguars. But, I mean, if he goes in the second round, so be it. He's going to fall into a pretty good situation, though. I have to think overall this tight end class – it seems like there's a lot of pretty good tight ends. Maybe not, like I say, not one of the the uh, the stellar tight end, or like not a not a stellar tight end in this group, but a lot of good tight ends. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Oh, I think it's a pretty good group. And what it is is you kind of got to get yourself resolved from the fact of you know everybody. Oh, are they a fully functional tight end? Can they block? Look, that just doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. I mean, look, we barely have an offensive tackle class because of the way <laughs> college football is now. You know, the offenses want to run 100 plays. Their theory is, look, we'll find a way to put more points than the team we're playing each and every week. So, you know, blocking really isn't a focus. Uh, you know, if the guy is a good enough receiver, you're always going to get over the fact that he may be an average blocker. Uh, you know, how many times do we see, you know, a third tackle trotted out in obvious running situations, things of that nature? Look, if you can catch the ball and do things in between the hash marks that tight ends can do, no one's going to give a crap whether or not you can block. You know, it's all about, you know, making plays and putting yards and points on a board. And, you know, that's what you have with a guy. You know, Goddard, uh, you know, Hurst, Gazeki, these are all guys that are capable right away as rookies to probably giving you 40 to 50 receptions. That's how established they are in the pass game. 
you mentioned the offensive line. That's where we'll head to, uh, in our final spot here uh, as we close out the offensive prospects here for the draft. Uh, again, this tackle group, the, the really offensive line, again, not a huge class. You have the Connor Williams of the world from Texas, Orlando Brown from Oklahoma. Of course, he his draft stock has taken a major hit after that combine performance. A guy that I'm really seeing that jump up a lot is uh, Colton Miller from UCLA. A lot of people think that would be a good fit for New England. Uh, I mean, you have the the great guys from, from Notre Dame, uh, the Quentin Nelson and the and the uh, Mike McGlinchey. Outside of those two, though, there seems to be a lot of, I guess, question marks regarding the offensive line here. So, I guess, who do you think is the best tackle in this? And then, where where are some? Of, who are some of these guys that uh, might be, you know, that teams might have to reach a little high for that you think would be good uh, gets in like rounds in the middle later rounds. Me personally, if I am going to, and I'm going through this a ton with these Brown shows, is is everybody, well, Joe Thomas retired. We need somebody to replace Joe Thomas. Mm-hmm. Well, look, if it ain't there, why are you chase it? I personally, I, I, I don't know if I would even touch an offensive tackle in this class. You know, Mike McGlinchey, a lot of people say, yo, well, maybe he's the best in this group. But everybody kind of says it with a, well, yeah, maybe he's the best in this group. It's no slam dunk putting your hand down, you know. To, you know, the top left tackle's, in a group, usually go top 10. That's how important the position is. When you say, oh, well, he's the top left tackle in this class, he, he maybe goes 15 to 20 range. First thing, what does that tell you? It tells you he's not that good of a left tackle. Connor Williams, I, I don't care. He's a guard. He works his butt off to maintain a weight of 300 pounds. That is just not enough. He's just around six foot three. Connor Williams is a guard. You want to maybe try him at left tackle because there aren't left tackles? Sure. But when it doesn't work out, okay, you You've got a decent guard. Colton Miller, I think people love the size and the athleticism. The tape isn't fantastic. It's going to be one of those guys, you're going to draft him, praying that he's got the work ethic to, you know, to come in and work on his footwork and work on his drops and get himself where he needs to be. For me, you know, and this is the one I've been bringing up with the Browns, is if I'm looking for a left tackle, I'm going to look on you know, round two, a Chooks Okorafor out of Western Michigan, mm-hmm. a Jamarco Jones out of Ohio State, Young guys, everything size-wise checks out. The height, the arm length, you know, they weigh enough. These are guys that put up solid tape in their college careers. I don't have to gamble with them on round one. If I'm taking a left tackle in round one, he better be starting day one. He better have the job walking in the door. And I don't have the confidence in any of those other guys to do that. If I'm taking one of these two guys in the second round, they're not guaranteed to start right away. I may get a starter from them right away, which is great. But they're not coming in with too much pressure on them, you know, and knowing that they still have to work because playing time may not be guaranteed for them. I really like Billy Price from Ohio State. Again, he had the pec injury at the combine, so I was always thinking like, hey, you know, the Vikings could take him at thirty, but it seems like he's sliding down into the middle to later part of the second round, which wouldn't be bad. I'd love to pair him up with Pat Elfline there along that offensive line for the Vikings. But you look at you know like Isaiah Wynn. What he, I mean, he seems like he's a guy that's going to provide some versatility along the offensive line, but be able to play multiple positions there. And then the behemoth of an individual, Will Hernandez, I'm not quite as sold on him as I think some people are. Where do you stand on Will Hernandez? Will Hernandez is fun. Uh, he's just, you know, I mean, he, he's got like a pro wrestler to him. You know, like almost like a, you know, like a Braun Strowman coming to the ring every time. Like, you know dudes are going to get destroyed. Mm-hmm. It's just like the guy the, that's going to be his calling card. 
uh, you're going to worry a little bit once he starts going to going against some of these elite NFL defensive linemen. And I hate to say, you know, because not many guys can handle an Indomitian Sioux or, you know, can handle an Aaron Donald. But, you know, what's it going to look like when he's facing those absolute monsters who are big and nasty and ridiculous athletes? You know, is he going to be able to hold up enough to keep his quarterback from getting killed? So he's going to need some work in that front. Uh, you know, for me, it's always a little tough when, you know, you better be an elite. You better be elite as a guard to go round one. And now, you know, I have Nelson in that range. I think Billy Price should go in that range. I think Isaiah Wynn should go in that range. So now we're getting to the point of, you know, how much interior O-line can fit in a round one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think Hernandez is a guy somewhere in that 25 to 35 range. Uh, but he's going to bring the lunch pail. He's going to work every day. He's a guy I'm, I, I'm definitely taking it. I'm very confident. The only thing I'm going to worry about is, is he going to be able to match athleticism with some of the elite interior guys when it comes in pass pro. But, I mean, if that's the if that's the worst you got, and it's almost kind of nitpicking. Uh, so, but, you know, Will Hernandez, solid, solid prospect. What, uh, any other guards in the later to mid-rounds that you, that you like that you think will be steals for teams? The guard position, not so much. I mean, center, you probably go five deep. Uh, you got Daniels out of Iowa as well. Uh, you got Ragnow out of Arkansas. But, I mean, you got to keep in mind with any of these interior play, I mean, you can draft a guy and, yeah, his calling card may have been a center in college. But, you know, left guard, center, right guard, you know, the only difference is the guy who actually snaps it. You know, the play itself is not that much different. But it's a good group interior-wise. The outside, not so much. But the interior O-line, yeah, that's a nice-looking group. What about, And right now, I, just, I didn't even know that this guy was a, like a projected first-round pick until – or in some mock drafts, I just – I mean – Name didn't even really seem to come up, and now I saw him. I think in one pick, like seventeen. Is this? A, is this a? I mean, he looks like he's the best center in the group. How good is this guy? He's really good. But the problem with uh, is when you're in the SEC, if you're not the elite of the SEC, you know everybody just sees your team getting their doors blown off every week, mm-hmm. and everybody, oh well, he had a tough game against Bama. Well, who who doesn't? doesn't? I mean, exactly. He had a tough game against Bama. Well, all right, so. The team with 11 pros on defense kind of gave him a little bit of a hard time. And God knows the offensive line he was playing with. He's the star of the show. So, I mean, you know, I mean, that's over nitpicking. But, yeah, athletic guy, check out the video. I mean, the video of him dunking basketballs and, and doing it well, not these little, you know, just, you know, dunking it for the sake of dunking it. Good athlete, strong interior guy, played every snap, uh, played almost every snap for four years. You know, he's a guy, you know, he'll be a plug-and-play right from day one. He'll be a starting center from the day he walks in the building. Excellent stuff as always, Jeff. I appreciate the time, and I look forward to chatting with you next week about the defensive prospects. Uh, be well, stay healthy, and uh, keep doing great work with the, with the Locked On Browns. Listen to it. Uh, it's, it's very good. Thank you so much, Nathan. Have yourself a great day, Kane. You too. Thank you. Jeff Lloyd II, Locked On Browns podcast. Appreciate his time and perspective as always. He's so good with this stuff. I can't. I can't tell you. You know, and you can tell the general excitement that he has in his draft. We're going to get him next week. Defensive pros, uh, draft prospects, and then two weeks. It's the big NFL draft preview podcast. It's the second best podcast I feel like we do only uh, only to uh, the March Madness bracket uh, breakdown podcast that we do. So. Definitely listen to that. Uh, you can catch, you know, Jeff whenever he comes on. You could just by finding the Sports Block podcast on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block there. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stack and otherwise on Facebook Nathan Stack. And I'll have a link posted to this podcast every week that we do one middle to later part of the week. Here, I hope that you enjoyed the show this week. 
Uh, you know, we'll be talking about NBA playoffs next week. We'll talk a little bit more about the NHL playoffs, but I want to pre- uh, thank Marcus again for jumping on and previewing that with with me and uh, great perspective from him as always. It's always nice to talk hockey with Marcus. Travis with all of, you know, his thoughts. It's, I mean, I love doing this podcast with him. Uh, and we're going to be talking a lot about the NBA next week. Plenty of baseball talk as well. More draft talk. It's a great time in the sports year. I mean, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, NFL draft, NFL schedule comes out next week. So excited. But again, fall, uh, you know, find the podcast on iTunes, Sports Block Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stack and Facebook, Nathan Stack. And appreciate you listening as always. Hope you uh, listen to us here for sure the next, you know, next week and the week after. Week after that, we'd like you to listen all year long. But we got some good shows lined up here over the next few weeks. So thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Can't wait uh, to bring you another episode next week. Uh, so please uh, download, tune in again next week for another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week.